0: Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Now, let's dive into today's topic. It is my pleasure to welcome Brian Turner to the podcast. Welcome, Brian. Thank you. Good to be here. So, Brian, you are CEO of Buildings IoT. Although super brief, tell us a little bit about yourself and what Buildings IoT is. Sure.
1: Yeah. Um, so, Buildings IoT is a master system integrator and a software developer and a services provider for the built environment so commercial buildings um, industrial buildings basically any building that houses humans other than housing we don't do a lot of
0: housing but uh,
1: but if you're for work education or play those uh, those types of buildings are certainly what we're targeting all
0: right perfect so you know, read a couple articles or white papers that you guys have put out specifically around healthy buildings, and with a lot of the conversations of people coming back to the office, I'm sure that's on a lot of people's mind. Um, am I going to get sick here? How do we keep the building clean, disinfected? All these things that are going through other through minds. Are we getting enough airflow? All those great things. What is a healthy building?
1: Yeah. So a healthy building is is simply put, it's a it's a place that uh, Humans can go and have very little concern that they're going to pick up some some disease or pathogen while they're while they're sitting there, um, or or using the restroom, or going down to the cafe, or or just merely opening a door, or or requesting a floor in an elevator, right? So it's it's just you know, we we hear a lot about um, you know cybersecurity and keeping yourself safe from being a victim of cyber threats. Um, And we spent a ton of money there, but we haven't, before the pandemic, we really didn't think a lot about the spaces we occupy, Uh, whether, you know, whether they were clean, how often they were clean, how they were clean. We certainly didn't think about air. You know, when we talk about the cleaning aspect, it's very tangible. People absolutely know what you can do to keep something clean, right? They know the types of cleansers you can use. They know how often you, you might do it. Um, You can even do some on demand, right, Um, with little push buttons in restrooms and those sorts of things. And that's a very tangible thing that most human beings understand. When you start getting into things they can't see, like air and gases, um, start getting a whole lot less tangible, and people just aren't aware of what makes an indoor air quality building actually healthy. Do you know your formaldehyde's high? Probably not. It's not something you're smelling. So these are all things that uh, are part of the ecosystem and the atmosphere that we're in every day, but we really have no visibility.
0: All right, excellent. So healthy building is all those things: it's clean, clean air, clean surfaces. We don't have to worry about risks of pathogens or anything like that. Now, is that more than just custodial work? So I can I can imagine a lot of people are saying, "Well, we just we have custodians that do this stuff every day."
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. So, and, and this is why I think it's it's important to, uh, for people to just become educated. Obviously custodial work is absolutely uh, paramount, you know, and I can tell you that most buildings I've been in, um, in the last year, uh, it's very apparent that custodial work is is really ramped up, right? It used to be, you might see one of the people cleaning things occasionally when you walk in, now, every time I'm in a lobby, somebody's cleaning something, right? And, and whenever uh, I see a lot more restroom uh, being cleaned, I see a lot more doors, elevators. I mean, there's just a really high volume of cleaning going on. And that's important. Um, but when, you, when it comes to indoor air health quality, that is something that I think is taken for granted uh, far too often. I think it's taken for granted by the people who occupy it. The building, I think it's taken for granted by the people who manage the building. And I think it's taken for granted by the people who own the building. Um, there are things, for example, um, and we monitor indoor air quality is, is CO2, which is, a lot of people understand that that's the, uh, the air, when we breathe, we create CO2, uh, CO, which is you know more common in garages with, with vehicles. Um, but you start getting into VOCs and you start getting into formaldehyde and all these other gases that contribute to your indoor air health quality and people really don't know where that comes from and is ventilation enough to get rid of those things and then what causes those things right and so it's just knowing first of all you got to have that data in order to even know if you have to do something if you have to respond
0: yep yeah and you know the as we're talking about this i keep thinking of when the pandemic first kind of kicked off i was still flying Right, we were going to see customers all over the place still, but the one big thing that the airline I fly regularly, Delta, was talking about is how often they're changing over the air, how they put in these HEPA filters, all these different things, but prior to that, I never thought a single minute about number of air changes in an airplane, the filter system you're using for the air. It just wasn't something I thought of, and I think you know what you're talking about is almost similar, right? You know, They are not monitoring for some of these VOCs and other things, but prior to the pandemic, I don't think a lot of people were thinking of this stuff.
1: No, they weren't. And I can tell you one of the reasons that building owners weren't thinking about it per se either is because they design these buildings and the engineering that goes into it, they design a certain amount of air changes for every single zone. They're designing the building to be healthy. So they're doing all the right things up front. When the building is commissioned and started up and tested, all of those things are tested and validated that they meet the basis of design and so it's it's really post occupancy that we start to see adjustments or fluctuations in this Um, it could be something as simple as they decide to wait a little longer in changing the filter it could be they decided to increase the hepa size of their filter but didn't increase the the size or the belt size or the horsepower of the fan so now they're not getting as much ventilation through because there's just more restriction through those filters. It could be, uh, you know, one of the tenants is complaining they're cold from the constant ventilation. And so the VAV boxes have been, uh, their minimum airflows have been reduced down to next to nothing. So you make these kinds of changes throughout time to accommodate somebody's request, right? Or, or some tenant's use case. And then after a while you find out you no longer have those air changes that you need. You no longer have the adequate ventilation to keep the CO2 levels inside or these other gases inside, get them out, right, and bring that fresh air in. Um, uh, I don't know how much you hear, obviously with your background in industrial automation, I'm sure you've heard of economizing and bringing fresh air in instead of just always returning there. But, in, in, I don't know what the stats are today, but better than 50% of economizers are broken right? They don't work anymore. And so people, instead of maintaining them, they just lock them in place and they try to guess about where that minimum outdoor air requirement is, uh, just mechanically. And they either, they get it right or they get it wrong. It doesn't really matter. The fact is they've changed the fundamental operation of the the facility. And and so it's just being alert to that and being aware of it is something that most people are just not.
0: Yeah. Now. Now that we're aware of, you know, kind of what we need, why do we need these healthy buildings? What's what's kind of shifted from, you know, in the past to now we gotta be concerned about these other things? Why?
1: Well the reason actually hasn't changed, just the awareness has. <laughs> um, you know, there's you know, my, my degree is in human factor psychology, so I, I have a he- pretty heavy um, uh, slant towards keeping people productive and keeping them alert and, and providing them good air quality. Does that, and I know those are hard. Those are difficult to measure. They're hard. They're not tangible items. We're not going to see a dollar value applied to it. But there's been several studies that show that that people that work or learn in environments that are healthy with good indoor air quality, good lighting levels, you know, all of those things that come to the indoor environment are going to perform better. Um, for example, you know, a lot of times we talk about uh, work-life balance. Well. If I can get more productivity out of an employee in a six hour day in a good, healthy environment than I can have an employee for eight hours a day in a less healthy environment. I mean, which one would you prefer as an employee? Which one would you prefer as an employer? Right. And so I think indoor environment quality has always been top of mind and should have been for companies like ours. But for the average person, they just don't think about this, even though they just expect it really. And that's why they don't think about it like you were saying on the airplane you don't expect to get sick when you step on the airplane and and you don't expect to have to worry that you're that you're getting some outdoor air coming into that uh into that airplane Um, and and now i do said i've i fly a lot too and i heard the same things from other airlines like we're now the best indoor air quality in any airline right and and uh, that's now something that's uh on their sign the other thing in chicago A few weeks ago, um, on the little uh, A-frame banner outside on the sidewalk, trying to attract tenants for leasing, one of the top bullet points was uh, 12 air changes per hour. Like, why is that now something to market? Well, it's something to market because now people are thinking
0: about it. Yep, absolutely. So, we know why we need it we're making advances to get there. Like you said, we're monitoring all for all these different gases, making sure that the or custodial work's being done, all that stuff is coming together. But how do organizations ensure they actually have a healthy building?
1: Yeah, so you know, it gets down to kind of the, the basics, right? So so yeah, you're gonna clean, you're gonna track the cleaning, right? And, and tracking the cleaning to me is really important uh, because you do wanna be able to have some transparency as an operator or as a facility manager. When, when a tenant asks, you know, what you're doing. Um, but then you've also got to put sensors throughout the facility. So it's very common for sensors to be in common areas in a building, but not in the tenant spaces, right? Um, a lot of times the only sensor you'll have in a tenant space is the temperature, right? And, and because you have to maintain that temperature, but um, you might not in a smaller building, you might, you know, some of these, uh, like buildings out where I live, there's not a lot of automation in them. And so might not even know the temperature. So it's important to start understanding what's going on in there. So I need the temperature, the humidity, the light level, the sound level, the, the all the different gases for every one of my spaces. Cause if I can sense everywhere where air is and where light is and where sound is, then I can record that and monitor it. And again, be transparent back to my tenants that, Hey, here's what's going on. And then if I do see something going out of whack, I can then start to make adjustments. The other thing that you need to do is maintain that equipment. So, and and hopefully wh- one of my messages is for the healthy buildings is you don't have to have the smartest building in the world in order to have a healthy building. But you do need to especially today with with you know just getting people back to work, you do need to monitor. You need to understand what's going on in your building because on the third floor it could be very different than the fifth. And especially if you're doing construction for a new tenant on the fourth floor and you may have changed something and now people aren't getting air on the second floor like they were prior to that construction and so without sensing constantly you're not going to actually know that stuff and i think that that's a new responsibility of somebody you know whether it's the facility owner the facility manager or the tenant themselves and the employer to make sure that their employees are in a safe environment so i i'm I, I, I have my ideas of where I think the responsibility should lie, but right now with lack of any kind of, um, regulation around it, I think ultimately it's the employer's responsibility.
0: All right. Now, you know, going through your website, that type of thing, there was a white paper that talked about the five steps to a healthy building. Can you kind of outline those for us?
1: Yeah. So, you know, it kind of goes to what I was just talking about. So, um, cleaning, reporting, sensing, tracking, and ventilating, um, And that tracking to me is, is where we come into maintenance management. So I I know you've certainly uh, done enough work on some, on CMMS, but I think that it's important to understand how the equipment is being maintained that is supposed to be supplying this ventilation. So I mentioned a little bit ago, the economizers and the quality and the state of the economizer, maybe the status of the HEPA filter, maybe the status of the fans. Um, And if you're monitoring the indoor air quality, and you're monitoring how that equipment is maintained and then you're actually using that data in a cohesive way so you're correlating that you might find that hey this unit has had many callbacks and the indoor air quality for the area it serves is actually statistically worse than the rest of our building so you can actually focus energy and effort on fixing that problem versus if you don't have any idea what's going on inside or vice versa you have no idea what kind of Equipment or maintenance has been done on that equipment to understand if it's just performing poorly, you can never actually do the right thing. You're gonna always be chasing complaints. And yep. so a big part of maintaining healthy building is staying ahead of it. And and by aggregating
0: these multiple sources
1: of data, you can actually give yourself a better chance to stay ahead of it.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Iridicio. Be sure to check out Iridicio's IBL blended learning for maintenance and reliability professionals. This SMRP accredited project-based curriculum will take you through all aspects of a maintenance and reliability program and provides you with all the tools you need to generate a 30 times return on investment for your organization and a set of credentials from the University of Tennessee for you. You can find out more at ibltraining.com. Now, question for you, with that maintenance of the systems, for example, one of the major tasks is... Dealing with filters, right? We got to change all these filters on a regular basis. Are do you see a lot of organizations still doing that based on time, or are they using pressure differential sensors to detect pressure drop across those filters, or the other sensors to determine when to change those filters, or are they still relying more on a time-based frequency?
1: I would say, by and large, it's time, and you know that's a flaw. It's for us, that's a big flaw. Uh, a big part of our business is data-driven maintenance. Um, so where the time the the manufacturer's recommendation recommendation is one of the sources of data right but then you if you do have a smart building and automation system then you can put differential pressure sensors around the filter what i see more often than not which i think is is a flaw as well is it's a switch versus an actual transmitter and switches you know are, are not great because you find that Maybe it failed. Maybe it switched too early. Maybe it switched too late. Um, and then you're trusting that technician maybe adjust it when they when they notice that, right? But maybe it's just a bad switch. If you have a transmitter, then you have a lot more data. You're collecting data. You're getting history of that data. You can tell when the sensor maybe is failing. You get an idea across similar air handlers. You know how often you actually need to change these filters. And then your preventive maintenance starts to look more like. Uh, data-driven maintenance. So, if I'm going to hire you to come out and uh, do work eight hours a month, let's say, then when I show up, when my technician shows up, they get a list of things to go do, not a list that's just preventive, like, hey, go change these 35 filters. Yep. Maybe it'll be, hey, this fan belt is slipping. I need you to go look at that thing. Go fix that while you're here today, and forget the other filters, because those filters are still okay. We can change those next bits, right? And there's those kinds of things that I think we have to be a lot more intelligent about in all of our building. It's easier in the big ones because they're automated,
0: but we've got to get to that level of sophistication in the smaller building. All right. So with that, what technology is there to help us with this? I know you mentioned some sensors and I'll let you get into that, but are these tying into the building automation systems? Are they tying into the CMMSs? a combination of the two, you know, how is all what technology do we have and how does it all kind of tie together?
1: So yeah, you have you have the building management systems that are or the HVAC control systems. Let's call it that. Um, you also have for smaller buildings a lot more intelligence in the air handlers and the fan coils themselves that are doing a lot of the sensing. Um, you have different communication uh, protocols going now. Some of it's directly on the IP or IT network. Some of it's on the Wi-Fi network. Some of it's still on proprietary networks. But none of that is directly connected to the CMMS, and so. Um, in order to get that, you know, kind of comprehensive view, you do need an integrator that can help you get that data from the source up to the CMMS, and then ultimately to that reporting platform that can help you really manage it effectively. Um, and technology's there, this is, we're not, we don't have a technology problem. We have, we have a, a, a business problem, an economic problem. Um, the, the margins for these facilities are very tight, right? And so figuring out, you know, what what money to cut out in order to get some of these technologies in. Um, that's one issue. Um, but we've also got, you know, we're humans. We like to solve problems. So there's a lot of financing resources. There's a lot of uh, rebates and benefits that utilities will give you in, in different uh, government programs. So I think, you know, as a as a society, we will solve this problem. But technology right now is not our problem.
0: That seems to be a common occurrence, and I don't think it's just in buildings. Um, manufacturing plants and various others, I think it's the same sort of thing. It's not a technology problem. It's a, either a finance or a people problem to get it in place. Yeah. Yeah. Now, as we start looking at converting our buildings to healthy buildings, is there anything else we need to consider um, that we didn't talk about already?
1: Well, yeah, uh, and I heard one of your other podcasts, It's the the maintenance, right? so let's let's make sure we don't build a frankenstein um, so there's so many technologies out there like i said technology's not a problem well that's that's also not true we have so much available to us that making choices is 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 almost paralyzing right because you've just got so many choices i've got a new vendor every single day pitching to us how their thing is the next greatest thing that's going to ensure that i have a healthy building well How's that, Now, how's it gonna work? If you're just a sensor cloud, so your sensors communicate with each other and then to your cloud and they have no connection to the rest of the building or anything else going on, how does that by itself solve my problem? It doesn't, right? And now it might be part of the overall solution and this is where you need smart companies that can use multiple of these vendors or technologies, but you also have to be uh, aware of the choices you're making is this a five-year choice because these sensors you know they might only have a five-year calibration or a three-year calibration um and what and what am i doing from a connectivity standpoint how is it being secured there's all this privacy and, and data problem out there especially if you're in tenant spaces you could have some some high value tenants that don't want their indoor air quality information exposed to the public for lots of reasons Um, And so as a provider, you've got to figure out how you're going to secure that data. So there's just, there's so many things um, that go into place that we, then it can be paralyzing unless you're approaching it uh, like you asked the question, what do we have to do to make sure we are providing a healthy building? And if you approach it that way and you really start getting all the things you have to do, then you can approach it um, uh, strategically, intelligently. It won't be solved tomorrow, but a year from now, you'll have it solved because you will have made all of the right choices. Um, and I think too many people are just doing, you know, the, the one thing that people say you should do, like, oh, you have to put in, you know, some some ultraviolet uh, filters. You know, it'll clean everything for you. It'll even clean the surfaces, which is one one thing that I heard that it, it puts some little ions in the in the air and it'll drop onto the surfaces and clean those too. So you don't even have to worry about having extra custodial. And I think that sounds so good, people buy it, and then how do we know that that's really what what it does, yep. right? Um, and and so I think I think it needs to be very measured.
0: Yeah, I think you know, like you said, taking a step back, looking holistically, what do we need to do to do this is the first step, right? Because if not, we're going to piecemeal all these different pieces together. Their sensors may not talk to the different clouds, and so on and so forth, and in my experience, not on building sensors, but on vibration sensors, for example, for equipment, there's so many new vendors, but at the same time, there's so many less vendors. They're there for six, eight months, a year, maybe two years, and then they're going away, so now they're not supported, how do we deal with that? There's just a huge overwhelming piece with selecting the right solution.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, from our perspective as an integrator, all of them say they have an API, I like it's, it's like super fashionable. You can just say you have an API. Um, but when we really start digging into some of these APIs, they're not secure. They don't really give us much data. Maybe they're locking in like you can only get data once every 24 hours, uh, you know? So there's just having an API also doesn't uh, answer the call when it comes to actually understanding how this data organizes with everything else, especially if you're looking real time. Um, and I, I think that vibration sensor analogy is perfect because yeah, we see the same thing on the commercial side, right? Where, where they want to put vibration sensors everywhere and they're wireless and, and they'll work forever until they don't. And then, like you said, sometimes that company's not hearing you from now. Um, and so it, it, it is tough to make decisions. And that's why I say some of these uh, owners, you can't fault them all because it's like, yeah, par- paralysis by choice, right? There's just so many choices. And so you need partners that can actually help you navigate
0: that that
1: mess right now.
0: So with that being said, what's the one thing you think makes the biggest difference in being successful with moving towards a healthy building? Is it that integrator? Is it the holistic view? Is it something else? Yeah, it's finding a partner.
1: It's finding a partner first that, that really understands your business goals, that will work with you with your outcomes, that understands your timeline that you want to approach it in um, that understands like what is the biggest value for you I'm working with a shopping center? You know, their biggest value is making sure that shoppers want to stay in their place and keep shopping. Right. If I'm working for a commercial office building, they want to make sure their tenants employees are all rushing to that office rather than working at home because it's a better environment to go to work. Right. So it's, it's, it's choosing partners that understand your business outcomes and then helping you achieve those outcomes on the way in a, in a, pragmatic way. Um, There is no silver bullet here. You know, there are, there are a series of things you have to do, and then they have to become, become part of your operational uh, strategy. This isn't a one kill, like you don't just have a kill shot. Oh, all I have to do is X and we're good. We can ignore it forever. That's not, that's not what indoor air quality is about. That's not what a healthy building's about. Um, You know, you know, it's just not that easy. And I think that's, that's part of what makes it exciting that it's getting this attention because I think people are are waking up that they actually have to pay attention here. And it, it's not something that uh just like security, it's not something you talk about once. It's it has to become part of your culture. And once it becomes part of your culture, you know, even though it might take two or three years to deploy the complete strategy, once it's all deployed, then it's very easy to maintain because it's now part of your culture, part of your corporate
0: absolutely now what's the one action you want our listeners to take away from the conversation today
1: uh educate yourself that that's it um you know because i i think you know when i said most important is selecting a partner well how do you select a partner if you're not even sure what questions you're supposed to ask right and so i think you have to educate yourself you have to listen to podcasts you have to read white papers you have to get enough information where you have some baseline to have a conversation and then you can start interviewing either consultant partners or contractor partners who who are taking the initiative and really trying to understand um, how to do this stuff. Um, so educate. I, I think that's probably the answer, unfortunately, for so many things in life. The first thing you need to do is learn, um, but I'm a big
0: proponent of that. All right, excellent. Now, Brian, I wanna thank you for taking the time today to talk to us about healthy buildings, bringing awareness of this, what some of the leaders are doing in this, in this arena but before we go where can people find out more about you buildings iot you know i always like asking about conferences and stuff but you know right now it's still hit and miss depending on who you're talking to so
1: yeah so uh yeah thanks james this has been really fun i mean i as you can tell i, I love talking about this stuff but um so buildings is where you can find us uh there is a conference that we go to a lot um it talks a lot about prop Tech uh, and that's RealCom um, and IBcon. Um, that's actually coming up in November. If you wanna learn more about all the different prop tech that's going on, that's a great conference. I mean, there's, as you said, there's hundreds, maybe thousands today. I, it's amazing. I see a new conference every day, but that one's been around for a while. They focus on all this different technology. They have a, a very strong um, following and, and a lot of great vendors uh, that go to those conferences. So. Uh, that's probably the, the one that I know the best.
0: All right. Perfect. Now, do you have any resources you want to share with our listeners to educate themselves?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, as, as uh, always, um, these podcasts are great. Um, there's a couple other podcasts like yours uh, with some, some good young people out there evangelizing, uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, so beyond buildings, which Nick, Nicholas Warren, um, out of sweden i think he's doing a fantastic job kind of bringing awareness to just all things buildings in the built environment um james dice nexus labs he's he's doing a great job as well um and then you got some of the guys who've been around for a long time like automated building and uh, uh guys like him so and there's tons of great content if you go to AutomatedBuildings.com, it won't be the latest and greatest website but i will tell you there's a a lot of fantastic information. So don't get scared off by uh, the fact that the site looks like it's uh, built in 1980.
0: All right. We will definitely and put can some. Ken will be, be okay with me saying it? <laughs> <laughs> I will put links to all these in the show notes so people can easily get it. Also link to some of the white papers you guys have on your site um, around creating built healthy buildings, that type of thing. So people can start that education process with you guys as well. Well, Brian, I want to thank you for taking the time to chat with us today. It is greatly appreciated. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun. I would like to thank you for listening and remind you that you can always find out more on maintenance, reliability, and asset management at www.iradicio.com and by following our blog. The Rooted in Reliability podcast is a proud member of the Reliability.fm network. I'd like to ask you to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. It ensures the podcast stays relevant and is easy to find by like-minded professionals. It is only with your ratings and reviews that the Rooted in Reliability podcast can continue to grow. I thank you for providing the small but critical support. We'll see you next week when we dive into another burning topic with Rooted in Reliability, your plant performance podcast.